Hello, you are listening to the Treadweary Podcast, the audio arm of treadweary.com, where we gather around the Word of God to hear what it is that God has done for us, so that we might receive from Him the gifts of His grace and mercy. Join Pastor Smee as we take a look at the text coming up for us with this following Sunday to hear what it is that God has to tell us and to open our hearts and our minds as we prepare to worship together. Well, greetings, church. I hope you are doing well on this Monday after the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. As has become our our custom, we dig into the texts that are coming up for the following week. Well, this week is the last uh, full week of the Epiphany season. We actually are heading into Lent here in just a little while. We're, this this next Sunday is Transfiguration Sunday, that, that time in which we remember Christ going up that mountain and being transfigured, being transformed, being, being seen in another way than he had been shown to be throughout the remainder of the, of the Gospels and prior to, but, but shown in his glory as the only Son of God. And so today, as we've been doing on our Mondays, we take a look at the the prayer of the day because it's one of the first propers that we have of the service, first appropriate things, things that are specific to the Sunday, where in our liturgy we have the the ordinary things, the things that stay the same, uh, such as confession and absolution, uh, Kyrie or Gloria, uh, the the creed, these different things, but there's other things that change throughout the seasons and throughout Sunday to Sunday. And one of those is the prayer of the day or the the collect, the collect. And so we'll be looking at that again today, which is very much uh, keeping in front of us the whole transfiguration of Christ. But first we're gonna open up with Psalm 45, a reading from Psalm 45, which is what is appointed uh, by the ELCA in the back of our ELW hymnal. Well, let us calm our hearts before we begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your royal scepter is a scepter of equity. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow bow down to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people with all kinds of wealth. The princess is decked in her chamber with gold-woven robes, and many colored robes she is led to the king. Behind her the virgins, her companions follow. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In the place of ancestors, you, O king, shall have sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be celebrated in all generations. Therefore, the peoples will praise you forever and ever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This is one of those psalms that's kind of weird. We don't usually have it. Uh, in our liturgy, but it's a psalm for the king, a coronation psalm. And yet for us, it has a dual meaning. Yes, it would be talking about David and and the kings following, but here also it's this picture of Christ 
being crowned, and even more so us as the bridegroom, or us as the bride going into the, the palace to see the bridegroom, the prince, the king, coming to him, decked in robes that are not our own. These, these robes woven of gold and, and colors, uh, an image of the church. Because you see, whether you're a dude or whether you're a lady, we're all brides. We're the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ, bought and paid for by his blood. And those robes that we wear that are not ours are, his, are stained with his blood, covered in him, so that when we walk into the palace, God sees his son in all his children. It's a glorious picture here. And specifically, I will cause your name to be celebrated in all generations. Oh, what a glorious phrase for us. Well, today it is Monday, so we'll be looking at our prayer of the day for year B of Transfiguration Sunday. Remember that year A is the Matthew year. Year B, which is what we're in now, is mostly Mark and some John. And then year C is, is Luke. And we're in year B now. Let us pray. Almighty God, the resplendent light of your truth shines from the mountaintop into our hearts. Transfigure us by your beloved Son and illumine the world with your image. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. This is a prayer that uh, some people attribute to St. Ambrose of Milan. He uh, is a very interesting guy. I think it was 374, somewhere around there. He was actually governor uh, of the area where Milan is in northern Italy. And there was a huge war happening in the sense of within the church because a bishop died there. The bishop of Milan died and they were trying to, to bring in a new bishop. And there was this war within the church between Arianism which didn't really see Jesus as the Son of God. And then you had the, the uh, Nicene Christians, which, which Ambrose was one of those, um, in which they saw Jesus as the Son of God, God incarnate into the world. And um, he showed up to try and settle this dispute at the, at the local cathedral, the local church. And as he was speaking, he turned so many people away from candidates they were looking at and they wanted him. Well, there's a problem because number one, Ambrose was neither baptized, ordained, or consecrated to have the opportunity to be bishop. But Ambrose didn't want to be bishop. He runs to a friend's house and hides. And then uh, the emperor basically uh, tells him, no, this is a good thing. And his friend gives him up and he becomes bishop. He gets baptized, ordained, and consecrated almost in the same week, if I remember correctly. But Ambrose is a liturgist. He, he gives us a lot of our liturgy. He, we thank him for when we do, when we sing psalms in church and there's an uh, antiphon that's, that's part of it, that, that alternates between the congregation singing that and, and maybe a cantor singing the psalm, which is how I like to do the psalm sometimes. Uh, he, he gifted us with that. Well, here this, this prayer is, is kind of attributed to him, to the ambrosian rite of the liturgy. And here it says, Almighty God, the resplendent light of your truth shines from the mountaintop into our hearts. That picture of Christ on top of that mountain transfigured before us, shining bright as light. Transfigure us by your beloved Son. This, this prayer, this desire that we would be transfigured, that we would be transformed, that we wouldn't just be uh, flesh and blood and sin, but that we would be spirit and life in Christ, 
that that who we are right now would be changed and we would be with Christ and like Christ at the top of that mountain and in the world and in the world yet to come and illumine the world with your image. This, this playing on this light first that we might be transfigured by Christ, who's this, this light of truth that shines forth at the top of the mountain where it is said that he is God's beloved son, but then also that, uh, that he might illumine the world with his image that Christ would be made known. That brings us back to, to our, our, our psalm, right? The psalm that we just read. It says, I will cause your name to be celebrated in all generations. Therefore, the peoples will praise you forever and ever. That's our desire. Our desire is for Christ to be praised. Our desire is for God to be praised. Praised for what he has done in Jesus. Not what we think he might do because we want him to do something else, but God has already done something for us. And that is what we yearn for. And so here we, we pray with Ambrose and the church all down through the years that this light of truth might shine from the mountaintop into our hearts. Do the work that needs to be done to take this stony heart that, that you can throw through a window and break things and, and throw at somebody and it's going to hurt and turn it into a heart of flesh that beats for God. And that we might be transfigured by his word just as Christ was, that we may be found in glory with him and that the whole world might be illumined by it. What a prayer. Well, let us pray. Almighty God, the resplendent light of your truth shines from the mountaintop into our hearts. Transfigure us by your beloved Son and illumine the world with your image. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, blessings to you, church. Happy Almost Transfiguration Sunday. And we will see you tomorrow as we take a look at the reading from 2 Kings. Blessings. We'll see you later.